0: George, what's the job I gotta do tonight? Well, all right, I tell you, Jackie, tonight I'm gonna let you be a man. I'm gonna let you show some muscle for a change. No shakedowns, no deliveries to offense. Nothing little, Jackie. Not tonight. Tonight, Jackie, you're getting uh, up in the woods.
1: Come on, we're gonna go
0: for a joyride. You've just made a wrong turn heading south onto strange highways. Enter Death's waiting room, if you dare.
1: And welcome back to Strange Highways. I am Paul. And I'm Kevin. And we hope that all your wishes came true from last week. And if one of those wishes was for
0: more of Strange Highways, we are here. Yeah. And then, yeah, and uh, it's going to be another strange episode because we're in person again.
1: Again, we got to keep doing this. This is pretty great.
0: I, I know. It's nice. And it, we're in uh, we're in the remote studio, the studio by the cemetery.
1: Yeah. it's a, It's a small room. It's not a $4 room, no. but it's a small room.
0: <laughs> and I feel
1: like I'm not nervous, but I am anxious. So I feel like that's very appropriate for this. And actually, uh, so yeah, the, the, the title of the episode that we're getting to is season two, episode three, a nervous man in a $4 room. I just want to say that I've had this week off and all I've been doing is sitting in my apartment waiting for things to be made and be done. And I, it just, it, something about this episode felt very appropriate and it was like kind of chewing at me that I'm just sitting there just staring at stuff, waiting for things and I don't have air conditioning in my apartment. So it has been kind of hot and i i haven't been picking up my wall phone though and calling people but it's like very very appropriate so um i feel a very strong connection to this episode
0: yeah i, I feel like this episode would give me some anxiety if i was <laughs> uh in any of those mind states yeah so
1: uh let's just get right to it air date is uh october 14th 1960 number 1 song uh is uh mr custard <laughs> mr custer by larry vern it's a novelty song about a custer custer's last stand and it has some oh, very, i was hoping
0: was about ice cream is
1: very uh, kind of offensive statements about native americans so probably not a song that'd be uh number one now um so number one film spartacus we talked about last week yeah there um, we go yeah and so i didn't have anything from uh this air date uh but the day before the 13th was the third of the kennedy nixon debates that took place um they're separated by what several thousand miles they were in tv studios uh kennedy was in new york nixon was in los angeles and they were shown on a split screen. And in in order to avoid sweating on camera, Nixon arranged for air conditioning in the Hollywood studio because that was one of the big things then is that the previous debate that was televised, people watching on TV thought that Nixon lost because he was sweating uh, because Kennedy had makeup on. Yeah, And then on the radio, people thought Kennedy lost. Oh, yeah. Yeah,
0: I've heard about this, actually. So this is like one of
1: the big times where television actually affected the outcome of an election. So that's, yeah, that's the only trivia
0: I had from around the air date. Yeah, well, it's it's kind of nice the air conditioning's on in the studio right now. Can you feel it? <laughs> <laughs> I do feel it. I mean, it's versus... nice and cool in here.
1: Versus what I'm normally recording at, at my place, I just suffer through. You guys don't hear this. Thankfully, sweating is the physical sound, <laughs> or else most of these recordings would just be very squishy.
0: This episode, uh, too, that we watch would be pretty squishy, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Uh, uh, Jackie is a pretty sweaty man in this episode. Absolutely. So... <laughs> so. <laughs> This is appropriate talk for this. Um, yeah, I got nothing for that date. I tried to look around those couple, a couple days before, and I didn't really see too much. Nothing pertinent. I just thought the Nixon yeah. Kennedy thing was big just because it is big. So. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, sweating, <laughs> it, it, <laughs> it ties in. So Yeah. <laughs> Sweat facts. Yep. All right. So we'll jump into cast and crew here. This episode was directed by Douglas Hayes, which we're very well... Uh, um, We've talked about him a few times now. He did, and when the sky was open, Elegy, Chaser, uh, After Hours, and he's going to do a few episodes that we're going to be talking about within the next couple of weeks even. Um, he had a nice run in Season 2 coming up. Um, so, fantastic episodes he's been involved with. Well,
1: so. yeah, considering that like my favorite from last season was The Chaser, and yours was pretty was Elegy, or yeah. it was in the,
0: like, the was top couple. Them. Yeah, yeah. I loved Elegy. Yeah,
1: and I feel like him, had this been another director, this would have probably just been... A slog of an episode to get through. So he, I think, he elevated it, and we'll get
0: to that. So. Yeah, the, this is a rough one for a director. <laughs> it's like oh, uh, one apartment. That's it. And it's a very one small. Actor. It's a very small apartment, and
1: you have a nervous man. Here's yeah. four. Here's a four dollar budget, and a nervous man, and a small room. Yeah, yeah.
0: That's uh, that's Douglas Hayes there. <laughs> yeah. Um, and this episode was written by Rod Serling. Uh, go figure. I couldn't... I didn't see... It didn't seem like it was based on anything. I was trying to dig up any of that. But, nope. Just Teleplay by Rod Serling. Which was later I saw turned into a radio drama for The Twilight Zone uh, with Adam Baldwin.
1: Well, I mean, this would actually lend itself to a radio play. I can see that. Yeah. Um, And then the original score by Jerry Goldsmith, which last time I checked, still did not do Star Wars. Um, Again, the the music (laughs) in this... Never gonna live that down. I just... You know... I am fine with that. Like I've 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 checked my uh my uh, nerd card at the door, you know. So, mm-hmm. uh, but this music and this was awesome. That's another thing here. Like I'd actually, there's a handful of the the scores from this that I just want to have, and this is one of them. This is a really good piece of music for this episode.
0: Yeah, yeah. It it fits the the atmosphere of it, and um, it fits Jackie's character in this as well. Like there's moments where the beat. Uh, you hear like the drum beat coming in and everything, and it almost sounds like a clock ticking and oh, it, ra- absolutely, it raises yeah. the anxiety level. Um, so fantastic stuff. Um we'll jump into this huge cast for this episode. <laughs> we have Joe Mantell as Jackie Rhodes, your main and pretty much only character. Um, he is been he's going to be in one other Twilight Zone episode we'll talk about uh, probably a few years from now. <laughs> yeah, he was in uh the Birds in Chinatown most famously
1: yeah and i saw he was nominated for best actor in uh marty like but he didn't get it so that was yeah
0: yeah he was another one of those character actors from the time that was just in a ton of tv work a ton of small roles and everything but i think he was a good pick for this episode yeah for sure um and then we have william d gordon as george what was his name george i didn't catch it george (laughs) george (laughs) um yeah he uh not too much acting work i think he only had like 15 or so acting credits on imdb and uh i couldn't really find anything else
1: he did a lot of writing and and bit acting like you you pointed out but he did a lot of producing as well and he actually wrote three episodes and did two teleplays as a producer on the fugitive
0: oh so this guy actually had pretty big uh pretty big career producing and writing yeah and he uh, was in one other twilight zone episode uh that we'll be talking about in a few weeks, I had the beholder, yeah. which was also directed by Douglas Hayes. So huh, well, go figure. Yeah, there you go. And that's it. That's yeah. the entire cast.
1: That's it. Yeah. Uh, other than, I mean, maybe, maybe you have Joe Mantel twice, but we'll get there. But yeah. that's, yeah. And then Rod Serling shows up and um, an awkward scene, transition. I loved it. But yeah, we'll, let's, we'll talk about that here. So uh, let's just get to Serling and then his, uh, his weird entrance to the episode. <laughs>
0: This is Mr. Jackie Rhodes, age 34, and where some men leave a mark of their lives as a record of their fragmentary
1: existence on Earth. This man leaves a blot, a dirty, discolored blemish to document a cheap and undistinguished sojourn amongst his betters. What you're about to watch in this room is a strange mortal combat between a man and himself. For in just a moment, Mr. Jackie Rhodes, whose life has been given over to fighting adversaries will find his most formidable opponent in a cheap hotel room
0: that is in reality the outskirts of the Twilight Zone. Bam, 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 bam. The (laughs) Twilight
1: Zone needs to have some better residential development. That's what I, you know, I feel like everywhere we go, there's always some kind of, like, just cheap hotel, like, just bad areas. I mean, come on, Twilight Zone. People want to visit you. You need to pick it up a little bit. Yeah. How about that little Mortal Kombat? <laughs> right. It makes you wonder, like, where that phrase came from. I mean, I know we, we talk about the, the video game, but, like, I just didn't know if that was just, like, someone took two words together. It's like, that sounds cool. But then you hear Sterling say, you're like, that had to have been some type of phrase, right? I don't, yeah, yeah. I guess. I don't know. Yeah. So, uh, the intro. Uh, you you see um, uh, Jackie. Uh, he's, you know, on the phone calling. Oh, no, he's waiting, and he gets the or Does he call? I forget if he calls George or George calls him. I It doesn't matter. But he's trying to get George's attention about something going on that night. He There's a job going on or something.
0: Yeah, he's super sweaty.
1: Super sweaty, because it was hot out.
0: <laughs> yeah, he and, mentions that like four times.
1: And he's just really anxious and talking to George and George and some more George. And, but then when Serling... So the way that Serling comes into this episode is actually... It's really cool, because it, it does the same trick that the rest of the episode does do... But it's a different way where it's a top-down shot of the small apartment—not apartment, a hotel room—that shows like
0: just yeah, overhead I, sorry, view. Sorry, I keep saying apartment. I don't, hotel no, me, room. Yeah, whatever. I don't know, whatever. Um,
1: flop house. Uh, it's a hostel. I don't know. It's an Airbnb before they were around. It cost four dollars. <laughs> uh, so you see Jackie like just flittering around this room. It's a top-down view, and then Surly walks in front. Like it's almost like he's walking on the wall kind of like like facing you kind of that's yeah the whole towards thing. the ceiling yeah and it's a really cool effect because it's very disorienting and then it made me feel like we're seeing the beginnings of Night Gallery that's what it kind of felt like to me a little bit but it was a really cool intro the way that so far we've had three episodes and three different ways Sterlings have been introduced into the episode so I appreciate that it was really cool like I it made you know that the, you're you're in for a really weird time
0: Yeah. Like that it gives you more of that fly on the wall feeling. Yeah, absolutely. Cuz last week was super awkward with him just being in the room with the actors, <laughs> these and, poor uh, people. Yeah, you know, we, me. we talked about that last week and it felt awkward. <laughs> you know, it's it's charming because it's Hurling doing it, but this one felt more twilight zone. Like, you know, it felt like that fly on the wall, like that he's not actually in the room. It's just it's strange.
1: Yeah, no, it's,
0: it was... Uh, it's cool. It,
1: it was cool. They did a rear projection on that, which is something that we'll talk about more in a second. It was just... It, it gave... with Whenever you use rear projection, the image, because it's, it's an image film previously, put onto a screen, played in the background, while you have action in the foreground, mm-hmm. and it's it's filmed. I mean, I know I know you know this, because I'm sure you have 8,000 movies with rear projection, but mm-hmm. you don't see it as much anymore, because you can get away with green screening a lot of stuff. So the effect of the rear projection is a little fuzzy, because you're seeing film being filmed, it's yeah. kind of like, you know, taping on tape or whatever. And for this, though, it doesn't take away from it. It actually kind of adds, like, a weird element to it. And then later on, even more so.
0: Yeah. And it, there's other things that uh, make the effect feel very strange later yeah. on, too. Um, in a good way. Um, yeah. So we get back to um, Jackie. And George shows up at the hotel room. And he's basically telling him, like, he wants to do... A- bigger things for the crime syndicate he worked for whatever it is i don't even know if it can be considered a syndicate um yeah. i think it's just george telling him what to do
1: <laughs> yeah because you never you don't see anybody else so this george might be pulling his leg the entire time making yeah he's like oh enough. no
0: you're you're part of this <laughs> <laughs> um so he, he wants to do something bigger and finally george is like all right well tonight you're gonna go take care of this uh bar owner this old man he's been giving us issues not paying his uh Uh, what do you call it the racket money you know and uh so he's like you're gonna go there and kill him for us and so uh, george leaves and uh jackie pretty much just freaks out he's like i can't do this how am i gonna do this he's trying to talk himself up and he's trying to uh, just psych himself up to go do it and um he starts getting kind of down on himself at one point and he he goes to light a cigarette and he's got no matches and he just feels totally defeated like ah yeah i can't do anything right you know i don't yeah. even have any matches he called himself the halfway boy at yeah. that point which yeah. is
1: very very appropriate where he's like i you know i always have cigarettes no matches like basically telling george before he leaves like you know, I've only done the small time stuff. And he's like, that's why you're perfect for this because no one's going to think to look for you. Basically, he's like, you're such an unrememberable loser yeah. that no one's going to be looking for you when this is over. And yeah. that's why he's perfect for it.
0: Yeah. So as he turns around without having the matches there, um, because he was looking into the mirror, he turns away from it and a puff of smoke comes out of the mirror behind his back. And uh, we had a nice... Re- I really like the musical cue as that happened. Yeah. And it wasn't that reused sound that I thought was going to happen. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, like, that's... Uh, considering, like, last week we had the reused um, sound effects and music from a previous episode, this... I, I, I know we talked about what was it, and um, The Four of Us Are Dying, that there was, like, a, a whole jazz thing going on there, and I was really... I'm hoping that that doesn't go away as we're recording like um not re- recording these episodes and watching them I mean. Uh but this this music had a different vibe to it. I don't know what it felt like film music, you know, and I really it's just there's something about it that was different than anything else we've heard so far and I I feel like it it could it's, it's still fit today and in in some context. I really dug it and it's just um I st- I almost wish there was just, just tracks of that by itself cause, and I keep hitting things so I'm so excited. Um, it was just really good and yeah, I talked enough about that already. So yeah, continue. it, was, it yeah. was
0: almost like freeform jazz at certain parts. A little bit, but like the beat like I don't know
1: what the beat reminded me of. It reminded me of uh this is gonna sound weird. It reminds me of some of the stuff from like Booker T and the MGs, which were around that time. Yeah. in their studio, you know, whatever they do like R and B and
0: and stuff. Um but I, I dug it. Yeah, it was it was fantastic. Um where were we in the episode here? So uh yeah, the puff of smoke comes and hits him on the back and uh he turns around and there is a, another version of him in the mirror. Yeah, less sweaty. Yeah. Uh hair combed, um,
1: more more direct. And this is where I was expecting the episode to go one way and it didn't go that way. So I'll give the I'll give this episode credit because uh you find out the man in the mirror uh is actually uh kind of the repressed version of him that would make the right decision.
0: Yeah, it's it's his conscience. It's it's like the good angel on his shoulder trying to poke through, you yeah. know, to put it in like uh overused media <laughs> way, is the good angel and bad angel, you know, and uh, it's basically his subconscious trying trying to cut through and be like, no, you can you can do better, you can, you need to do the right thing. And uh, so it's just it's the good version of him in the mirror, basically.
1: And you find out that over like because Jackie saying, well, where were you for all this other stuff? He's like, I was there with you and basically saying that I've put up with this for so long that this is the one thing that's going to get us killed. And I and we need to do better than this. And it becomes this whole big back and forth where like for someone who's arguing with the mirror, he seems surprised when the mirror knows things about him. You know like it just yeah. it seems kind of so they think you kind of get a little bit of history of, of jackie about how he was always smaller than everybody else in the neighborhood and he had to try to fit in and that's why he took like the dares and that's why he got into crime is basically his way of kind of always the easy way out that was
0: always the thing yeah um, well like he tries to escape at one point arguing with the mirror image of himself mirror image um <laughs> And uh, every time he opens the door, there's another mirror in there. And it's just like, Jackie, Jackie. <laughs> I, yeah. I like that scene, though. He even tries to run out into the hallway. There's a mirror in the hallway facing back at right. him and everything. Uh, um. Um, but yeah, that's uh, really effective. So I'll give, I'll
1: give Douglas Hayes complete credit because you could have cheated this. You could have cheated this with a body double, which, you know, that's my solution for everything. is just get <laughs> twins. Um, but whenever he was presented this, He's like, no, nah, we're just going to do this with rear projection. Basically, he's like, what's the hardest way possible to make this happen? But he wanted to make it different than anything you've seen before. So he, he it was really ingenious how they had a double uh, stand in to do the line readings with the actor. And then they recorded him like and then rear projected it on the, what was supposed to be the mirror yeah. and then film that. And f- like, so so when you see uh, Jackie reacting to the mirror, that's actually being filmed. So he's actually seeing himself. And they did it to where the the, the actor, when he was on the other side of the mirror, so to speak, his eyesight, his eye lines and everything would match with himself. Yeah. And then the movement. Did you notice how, like, the the, the mirror would look and turn and look at him as he's walking around the scene? Yeah. That was all timed, and it was, like, perfect. It was really It was off on
0: a few spots. A little bit. Just a little bit. I actually like that it was off a little bit, because it gave this weird, like, nightmarish vibe to it. Yeah, Um, there was a
1: couple times where his dialogue started just kind of abrupt, because he missed the mark just by a hair. Yeah. But it was so good, because there's bits where he was, when when the actor was turned away from the mirror, reacting, like, thinking things through, and you see the mirror also kind of thinking things through. Yeah. Just, like, I give credit... I keep hitting everything. I'm so... I'm in a tidy room in this
0: episode here. I'm yeah. In, you know, I'm, well, I'm, let me remind you guys we're in a uh, different studio than we usually are.
1: With, with Kevin's professional equipment, and I just can't move my arms around. Um, yeah. So... Uh, and the credit to uh, Joe Mantel for, like, being able to basically play two characters and actually have the the, the, the blocking and the pacing.
0: Yeah. And, and it, his, yeah. his, like, facial mannerisms between the two characters are really subtle yet noticeable. Yeah. Cuz there's a bit at the end as we get to the the quote-unquote twist here. Um there are subtle mannerisms that he does that are really impressive. For an actor that like he's not very well remembered these days by most people. Um I, I just I was really shocked at what he was able to do with this. Yeah, for sure.
1: And um so it becomes this whole big back and forth of you know, uh, Jackie talking to the the version of him in the mirror, and it becomes this whole big like comes to a head where J- Jackie gets a call from um uh, what's his George? George. Well, I almost forgot the name. <laughs> like that's funny, because um, you know I, they never said it at all in the episode. And George is like, you know, did you do it yet? And he's like, oh well, I'm on my way now. And just as he's getting ready to head out the door, he like the, the the whole discussion comes to a head, and I don't know what convinces him to pull the dresser with the mirror out and be like, like I forget the the actual statement, but he pulls the, the dresser away thinking like the guy's behind it yeah. and then turns around and it's like, oh, he's still in the mirror. Well, of course he's still in the mirror, but then he takes the mirror and, and flips it like out of anger. Mm-hmm. And then as the mirror is flipping uh, the face of the other gets closer and closer. And then it, and that's it. Like that's into the scene. Um, I, I guess we're just tearing through the story real fast. Cause there's not a well, lot. Yeah, of Yeah. There's the, not too yeah. much.
0: I assume we would. So um,
1: yeah, so George shows back up and basically sees uh, Jackie sitting in the chair with his head in his hands, and saying, "You know, it's been it's been brought to my attention that that old man is still in a really good, uh, what is he said, 100 like good health or something."
0: Yeah, and and he's yeah, like, he said thanks to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, um. yeah, so it, I I love that he's got his hands over his face because this is this is the reveal. Um, the episode went in the direction I thought it would, but. Um, you get that moment where you find out whether or not he's still the same Jackie or if the con- the good conscious, um, conscience, I can't speak, um, Jackie has taken over. So when he pulls his, his hands off his face, you immediately know that he's changed.
1: Which is uh, like amazing for the and actor to that's have a different I mean, like,
0: set in his face. You and know, and like- not even the fact that like his hair is combed and he looks like he shaved a little bit or something. <laughs> but like... I mean, beyond that, like, it, you know, we we were just talking about before we came on the air about Alien Covenant, and uh, say what you will, Michael Fassbender in that his little changes between David and Walter in that oh absolutely are yeah. incredible acting and it it reminded me of that now that I'm thinking of it maybe it's just because we were talking about it <laughs> half hour ago well that's a good um, recent example you yeah know, somebody yeah. having to play two distinct characters that are that look identical
1: that are based off the original roots of whatever that like Jackie or Walter yeah. was you yeah know? yeah
0: so I mean it was just one of those things where it's like just by his facial expressions and. Just a, very small things, you could tell which one was there without him saying a word.
1: Yeah, so then it's he basically tells. Pretty impressive. Um, and it, it's awesome. Like, like I, I we'll we'll come down. I, I'm sure. Like my feelings about this episode are probably going to be similar to Kevin's. Where it, you know, we'll get to the end here. Where this may not be one of the the best, but I feel like there's separate parts that are amazing. That this episode should be watched for those parts. And his performance is one of them. Yeah. Um. And the music's one of them. And the effects are one of them. I just makes me think about the script. I wonder I wonder if that's the part that I'm having a problem with. Yeah, but, maybe. You
0: know, the direction's amazing, too. Uh, so yeah, he, so he, he tells him he's going to resign, and uh, <laughs> we probably have the best bit of violence we've ever had in this series. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you want to explain how he takes George just, out? Like, he just kind of does like a standing punch or something. I don't know what it is. Like, he stomps on his foot. Yeah, that's right. And then gives him two punches. <laughs> That are, like, these really goofy left and right hooks. (laughs) Yeah. And George falls, like, five feet away from him and just looks up with pure terror in his eyes. And so um, Jackie stands up and grabs the gun and he's like, you're gonna take your gun you're never gonna come back. And... George yeah. is terrified and runs away. And I'm like, that's why I don't think there's a crime syndicate cuz this dude for being like a mob boss, whatever he is, gang leader, I they don't ma- make it clear. He is uh probably the worst criminal ever. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think the guy from um oh shoot, what was
1: his name? Rocky from the, la- the last season when he uh, ended up getting everything he wanted. I think he was the worst
0: criminal. Yeah, he was very bad too, yeah. but I mean, <laughs> for a gang leader Or a mob boss, like to be taken out with two shitty, excuse my language, uh, (laughs) like right hooks, and then be given the gun back. Like after he's like, "I resign," you can have your gun back. It's like, yeah, he threw the gun at him. Yeah, yeah, it's super unsafe. Like, don't throw a loaded gun (laughs) like this. That would have been hysterical. Here we go, me rewriting the episode. Just throws if it went off and it kills himself. (laughs) Yeah. Um,
1: but then, like you know, Jackie takes the bullets, throws them in the the you know trash can or whatever by his, his door. Oh, did he? I didn't yeah. see him throw the. He, um, you hear the okay. hear like a small clinking of him taking the bullets. He he threw the bullets away separate from the gun. But I'm like, you still gave him a gun. Like I'm, pre- I mean, this is 1960. I don't think huh. bullets cost that much more. You know, like I totally missed stopping... him
0: taking the bullets out. Okay, well <laughs> then he didn't throw a loaded gun, and good for him because <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, no, I don't know when he took the bullets out. I think because because like, he made made George leave, and then he threw the gun outside. Yeah, that's the point. I think he took the bullets out, but I know he got the gun. T- he tossed the gun away at some point. Oh, okay. I, I think so. It's um, I've watched this episode twice. You think, and it's, it's all in one setting. You think I remember what happened? It but doesn't just, matter.
0: <laughs> it really doesn't matter. <laughs> Um, in the in the grand scheme of this episode, it really doesn't matter when he threw the bullets. Yeah.
1: So then uh, he goes over to the phone to pick it up and says he's checking out. And he's like, This is Jackie. No, this is John Rhodes. Yeah. Or is it? Yes, yeah, John. And he's like, This place is for bums. It sucks. I'm leaving you a terrible Yelp review. We're out. Like, basically. So something like that. And then so basically he's like, I'm off to a better life. You know, and that's the. And it's. And actually, again, three weeks in a row, we've actually had a fairly positive. Like outcome, which yeah, is this sucks. Well, I mean, it's like because with King nine, even though it was kind of a, a, a weird turn, he was OK, you yeah. know, and he may have been there at the plan or not. And with uh, with the castles last week, other than some a little bit of Hitler time, they turned out OK as well. Yeah. And but- here, you know, and Jackie, a.k.a. John turned out he's actually a better spot now, even though he's brought a lot of heat on himself, because I'm sure any criminal worth their salt, even if they get three punched out the door. They're bringing
0: they're bringing muscle with them next time. Well, you know? at least he was staying in a hotel room, so maybe they don't know where he actually lives. So maybe he can go into hiding for. a bit. Yeah, they'll check all the five dollar hotels
1: next and be like, <laughs> ah, you know. Um, but yeah, that's that's pretty much the episode. Like I, when I say I wasn't expecting it to turn the way it did, I mean, normally you do have like the angel on the shoulder, but I expected more of a dark, like darker intent from yeah. the mirror side of things. Like almost like a goading into doing something worse, or or whatever, and then I almost expected that to take over and have that person
0: do worse, you yeah. know? Like, I don't know, or something where I don't know. I just it. He he does for for what he's saying and trying to get him to take a better path and everything. He does kind of have a devilish look in his eyes at certain points in the mirror. Yeah, absolutely. So like I could see where you're getting that, and maybe Serling was aware of that. And uh, actually wanted that out of the role, you know. Maybe he wanted to mislead, because we've seen episodes with characters trying to mislead. I mean, Mirror Image, Like that one, <laughs> you know. Like you got the evil doppelganger and everything. So maybe he was trying to play on people's um, assumptions, preconceptions that, yeah. that like, oh, oh, this guy, this is up to no good, you know. And then have it twist in the other way, nobody would be expecting it at this point.
1: Yeah, because I still feel like Sterling always had this eternal optimism about people. That we look back on the Twilight Zone, we remember all the like, the dark, bad things, and it's like I feel like he, as long as people learn a lesson, I think that's almost like that's that's it. They learn their lesson. They don't yeah. need to be punished further. And I, I don't know, like I guess over time we've just gotten meaner, we expect
0: more to come out of this. <laughs> well, I want, <laughs> I like the darker endings. Yeah, and I've talked about it quite a bit. Yeah, so. um, I, I don't know what that says about me, but. It still doesn't mean I can't enjoy these episodes because no, I, no. I did enjoy this a lot. But like you said, I thought it was going to go darker, but it went pretty straightforward forward all the way to the end. I
1: mean, considering the setting and the acting and the music, the music just ratchets us up. and just keeps going and going. Oh, yeah. It's, it's yeah. so like so good. And then to be like, oh, he turned out okay. Like it just felt like, I mean, no, like, yeah, I, I didn't it feel kind like, of fizzles. I it, mean, it fizzles. I mean, I guess like it didn't feel like the rug was pulled on underneath of me or anything. It wasn't like a complete left turn, but yeah, I could see how there's so much in this that just from a watching Twilight Zone standpoint, that people need to see. Just how do you get so many dynamic shots in one setting? Because there's a lot of neat camera movements. There's a lot of that going back and forth in front of the mirror. Like I said, and having him watch himself and him interact with himself, that. I can't even do that now. Like, I don't even know how to even plan that out now. Yeah. Even using the same technology. I don't even know how I would do it. And I just like the Douglas Hayes, like after we've seen with Elegy of having everybody stand still. Right. And then knowing the camera had to move to keep everybody looking kind of like they're standing still. Yeah. And then the chaser, he's like, we're just going to build a really big, tall lit up library just because we can. Like he was like, bring it. I'll just, I'll, I'll find something interesting here. And this is one of those ones I could almost watch it with the sound off in this wall except for the music I guess and still enjoy the movements and enjoy the episode like if yeah. this is on in the background at a party I think I would just dig watching the way the camera moves in and
0: out of the, the situations yeah for sure it's you know any longer than 20 minutes I think it would get real hard to do but, oh yeah absolutely. you know but he kept it interesting from shot to shot and I don't think I don't think there was one other than that establishing shot from up on the ceiling when Serling uh, comes in for the intro. I don't think there was another like another repeating shot in the episode, not really other no. than that yeah. one from the ceiling so I mean and it's it's good too because he gives you the geography of the room so you yeah. understand where he's running to and i I think that's a thing that a lot of talented directors will talk about is really making you understand where people are, you know, and and how to use that to disorient you as well. So, like, seeing Douglas Hayes do that in this back in 1960, you know, it's it, the guy had a lot of talent.
1: Yeah, and, and, and I know we've been talking as we've been going through these episodes, like, I didn't know who this person was, and I yeah. feel like he's one of my favorite directors of the series so far, Yeah, and he's only going to do a handful more, and that's it, you know, and it's like, but he gave us some really good episodes. But, and- it, I mean...
0: It, he how many did he do like eight or nine episodes something like that's that. a lot more than most directors did with uh twilight zone that's true there's only a handful that did that many and i so, feel like
1: each one's different like yeah. the, the weakest one so far like to my knowledge was and when the sky was opened but that still wasn't bad yeah i still but, like that yeah.
0: episode as well um because i'm trying to think which one was the uh german director um who did the Nazis on the ship one. I can't remember oh,
1: the, the, the judgment night. I forget the yeah, name judgment. Night. Yeah. I
0: can't remember that director, but his stuff was all, you could draw a uh, comparison between the episodes. He did and be like, Oh, they all, they all kind of feel like the same director. Yes. You know, who's doing it. Cause uh, we talked about, I think last time we were in the studio talking, um, uh, the dream, like had that same kind of vibe with him shooting it that way. Yeah. And, um, yeah, like you said, all these, the only thing that you can really tie together is his inventive camera work or his ambition on and, the episode. And
1: considering this one was also written to be under budget versus like a regular episode. Yeah. Uh, they they roughly saved it. There, there's some, I keep hitting things again, I'm so excited about <laughs> savings. Um, my hands move. You guys can't see this during the episode, but I'm very animated talking. Uh, they saved anywhere between five and $9,000 on this episode. Hmm. Uh, which is great considering that the, the first two went over budget. Yeah. Uh, but, but even saving money and, and Douglas Hayes saying, we're going to make this complicated and technical and still coming under budget. Like that's, that to me is like, I mean, you, it just shows the strength of the idea. Cause you can, even, even though I don't feel like the this, this script is the strongest, um, I'm trying to think of other movies or TV shows I've seen that have like been bottle episodes that have all taken place in one location and you, you kind of live and die by just, are you still interested in the story? Yeah. And um and this, I feel like at least the movement, because this could have been shot straightforward like a play, and you could have still, still told the same story, and I would not have cared at mm-hmm. all. I mean, I care some now. It's just, I feel like it could have been very stagnant and, and static, and it would have had the same outcome, and I just would have
0: been like, can, can I just get out of this episode, please? Yeah. You know? And, you know, you talk about the strength of idea. I think that's one thing you can never fault Serling in with his teleplays for this show. Is that the concept is always there. Whether or not the teleplay is up to par with some episodes... <clears throat> excuse me. The concept is always interesting at the heart of it. So, yeah, well, like you there's always something to latch on to.
1: I feel like you could have done something like this with, like, The Last Flight and just had the three... Officers in a room talking, and it would. And if you had someone like Hayes directing it, you would never even bother needing to see the World War One plane yeah. or the aftermath. And I think it still would have been a compelling story. Yeah, you know. Um, so I feel like, take notes, people. We 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 we're, we're living. We're in a very fortunate age of where technology. You can do whatever you want to show whatever you want within reason. And I, but I think it's sometimes the limits that are put on people where you get some really interesting work. Yeah, and like this and the other the movie I keep thinking of but it's not exactly the same thing as like Cube where yeah. it is one and a half sets and they make it look like it's supposed to be like all these different rooms kind of but you use a set and a half to tell a whole movie
0: yeah you know and well I think it was somebody uh, our, our friends over at Trick or Treat Radio somebody posed a question to them <clears throat> if there was one like independent director or something that you would give infinite money to do any project with who would it be and uh, our friend Mars over there, I think it was, he said, uh, uh, you know, there's certain directors I wouldn't want to give that much money to, because I, like, <laughs> I like what they do on shoestring budgets, you yeah. know? And, uh, like, I I think that's uh, that has a lot to do with this, you know? I think people... You have to be more creative when you're working on such a tight budget like this episode, where it challenges you, like, how can we do this the best we can, you know? And it... Maybe they had plans, maybe when he first read this and he was hired on to do this episode, maybe he had totally different plans when Sterling <laughs> tell, tells him, we got to come in under budget, you know, it's one room, <laughs> like, maybe his plans change, and maybe he ended up coming with something that was way more ambitious, you know? Yeah. And you'll never know. And so, it, I, I like the idea of being under constraints can sometimes fuel more creativity than having... It's just a never-ending budget of money or something. Well, just to tie into something like
1: Cleveland Local, and it's actually, it goes across the nation, but the Cleveland thing just happened, like, within the past month, mm-hmm. is the 48-hour film contest. Yeah. Where yeah. they just, they people all go, like, make teams, they go to, a, like, a bar where they, they announce it, and they give everybody, like, a random genre. Like, they they don't know what they get until they get it, and then they have to fit one character, one line of dialogue, and an object to show that they are they didn't make the movie ahead of time. Yeah. And they have to come up with like a six to eight minute short film that fits this and you got one weekend to do it. And I was part of that process once. It was the best worst thing ever because it's just like you're you're just grasping at straws. So you, you're like, well that works maybe, you know, and um so it really pushes you to think on your feet. And yeah. so it makes me appreciate something like this where these people are way more talented than myself and they were given constraints and they were able
0: to do something that was visually really interesting. I again, I not my favorite script. No, you know? and this is far from my favorite episode too. I, I think there's a lot of positives, but at the end of the day, like I'm not going to go back to this one as being one of my favorite episodes of this no. season or this this entire series, you know. Um, but I, I think it's one of those ones we've talked a lot about episodes we haven't seen before. And some of these that get kind of lost in the shuffle over time just because maybe they don't have that super uh, iconic twist or maybe it doesn't have the super terrifying moment in it. Or, you know, maybe it doesn't have that imagery that is forever ingrained in someone's mind, you know. But at the end of the day, like, this is really solid television.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And it's one of those episodes that... I probably never would have watched if we didn't do the show, because I would have flipped by and been like, eh, that doesn't <laughs> sound interesting, you know, and then end up on Eye of the Beholder four episodes later, yeah. scrolling down. So it, it's, it, this is why I love doing the show, because we find these episodes that aren't necessarily my favorites, but, like, there's a lot of merit to be found within it. Absolutely. And and uh, only after watching it twice did I realize
1: that the name Rhodes was his last name, so it's like, oh, he's heading down a different path now. Thanks, Sterling. Oh. I, it makes me wonder if he's just like, that. we're going to do that. People are going to figure it out
0: later. you know. Yeah. Um, also I also want to ask you, what's a Gleep?
1: Because they kept oh, calling yeah. the old man a Gleep. What yeah, is a Gleep? Thank
0: you. I was going to bring that up. I have no idea. <laughs> uh, <laughs> keep talking. I'm going to look feels it up. Like,
1: It feels like it was like they're trying to censor themselves. Like, oh, he's just such a Gleep. Should we go to Urban Dictionary? Uh you'll probably find out like a gleep is an act between a man and another another person <laughs> and they gleep all over each other. I don't know what that is. But...
0: When you take a dump in the bathtub and then you
1: <laughs> roll around in it. <laughs> 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 oh are oh, you don't... gleeping kidding me? Yeah. Hmm.
0: Uh oh. I d I don't think I don't think that's what he meant by no, that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no wonder they would have killed me. That's disgusting. <laughs> He was. <laughs> you find out the guy is just like he's part of health and human services. Like he doesn't even care about the organized crime. He's like, listen, Jackie, this guy gleeps all over himself. Like, like, just we're done. We he need was. the the bar. He's passing. I
0: keep feeling all I mean, the health codes. He's moving around from hotel to hotel. Maybe he just loves pooping in the bathtub. <laughs> I mean, like that's. He's like, I don't have to clean this up. Yeah. I'm just, oh. I'm gonna... It's a $4 hotel. I can gleep where I want. Uh, anyway, that's. Talk, talk about strange highways. It went down a strange road there.
1: Uh, Urban man. dictionary. Yeah, there you go. Because, like, you know, that's accurate and, and verifiable. Um, but, yeah, that's, I just wanted to ask you if you knew what a gleep was because they because re- they refer to the old man in question as a gleep a couple of times.
0: Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I assume it just was some sort of term for a loser or something
1: probably I mean like how many times we heard the phrase are you is this a gag are you running a gag on me right now like in this time frame so and also this was during like you had to get really creative with your language usage because there was no swearing at all like at all or even you could even mention hell or God like unless God was referenced like positively Uh, because when I'm reading in these like these reference books they talk all the time about changes to the script that are being submitted and there's times where it's like you can't you can't refer to hell or you can't refer to god like that yeah and a lot of times sterling's like i I'm, i thank you for the input and he would just go ahead and let it go anyway
0: um so yeah, i i actually found that there's a blog somebody asking about the use of it in twilight zone and uh a few people said i guess the in the princess bride indigo montoya uses the term gleep in it." so <laughs> nobody really knows what and it means. The <laughs> Nobody really knows what it means. Somebody said it's definitely not a good thing. That's all i got. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I I don't know. Somebody said it may have come from a Yiddish word. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, that's very strange. It just but, feels it
1: just feels like something a millennial would say now about somebody else. Yeah, like, maybe, such a maybe it'll come back around. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, with with our version or the version we found in Urban <laughs> Dictionary, I don't know. But anyway... Um. So, I was. I, I don't have much other notes on the episode improper, other than um, when you asked me about the fist fight. I did write in my notes, three-punch combo, so I, I must have paid attention to it at the time. Um,
0: yeah, foot stomp, right hook, left hook, done. And you could tell that that was done that. because the
1: set was so small, so you had to have something to show that action, like, up close.
0: Yeah. So, it was really awkward. Well, it, it was... It was really awkward because he was still like sort of sitting when he did the punching. Yeah. So it was a really unintimidating uh, swing. Like there could be no power there. Yeah. no. You know. No. Like, yeah. But
1: yeah, that's that's all I really had for for, for my notes for the episode of proper. Yeah, I, um, I got about a half page and an empty sheet in front of me. So. <laughs> um, oh, I did want to note that the the double the actual double that they used that that got removed from the episode. Uh, that person's name was um, Brian G. Hutton. The only reason I mentioned that is because he wanted to learn how to direct, like, more, so they brought him in to kind of work with the episode. Mm -hmm. He actually went on to direct Where Eagle's uh, Dare and Kelly's Heroes. Oh, nice. Yeah. Sorry, and Gleep just popped (laughs) into (laughs) it. Brian Gleep Hutton. uh, So, so like, there's actually someone who actually, you know, went on to do some pretty, you know, not, I wouldn't say terribly important movies, but more movies that you know, you know, so. Yeah. um, But, yeah, that's all I had there. Um, (laughs) I did want to mention. So I didn't look up any gleeping here, but I did look up. Um, I did look up hotels, small hotel rooms. Yeah. And I just want to mention here that the smallest hotel in the world has room for one, like just for one room for guests. It's the Central Hotel in Copenhagen or Copenhagen, Copenhagen, and that's the chewing tobacco. Anyway, uh, has just one eight by ten room that can accommodate two people at a time. And I'll show you a picture because you're here. We're actually here in front of you know, each mm-hmm. other. It's in the it's in front of the one of the smallest cafes in Copenhagen. And so you stay in the room, and it's actually a nice like nice decked out room. Um, but it's for the the coffee shop down below only has five people that can be in it. So it's like a really tiny coffee shop with a really tiny hotel, and it's not the smallest hotel room in the world, but it's the tiniest hotel huh. because it's only one room. It looks kind of nice. It is nice, and and um the funny thing about it is like so the whoever stays in the room at nighttime they get a guaranteed spot in the morning in the coffee shop for bed and breakfast. So it could only hold like four people because whoever's, you know, in
0: there, that's some VIP stuff, right? Yeah. It's actually like, it's
1: actually like a nice like spread, you know, like I think that's kind of, kind of a cool, like,
0: uh, yeah, it's nice.
1: So that's bigger than my
0: bedroom growing up.
1: So (laughs) yeah, I think it's, I think you guys will say, I think it's bigger than this room, Uh, (laughs) but it's a, it's a nice, looks like, um, I'm sure it's pricey, but it has like a bathroom, like shower, like everything, but then it's like you can go downstairs to the world's tiny, like almost
0: tiniest coffee shop. So, I thought that was uh, I thought that was interesting. So drink you could out be, of the world's tiniest coffee mug. <laughs> you could
1: be you could be a nervous man in an eight by ten room. Yeah. Um,
0: so yeah, that's uh you know interesting episode. Yeah. Nothing. You know, yeah, and not too much to go into. I, I was kind of worried as I sat down to write my notes, and I was like. Yeah, I'm just going to wing it. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. There's not too much. If you're like me and you get hung up on camera movements and like dynamic shots, then yeah. this is a really good episode to watch. Yeah, for know? sure. And you know, I'm I'm more into the visuals a lot of times, so I am into the story. Um, Twilight Zone's kind of changing that for me because <laughs> some episodes, you have to hang your hat on the story. Yeah. So um, it, it's kind of changing the way I look at uh, reviewing media in general. Wow. Because I... I I'm a visual person. Like yeah. I, I, I will watch avant-garde movies that are nothing but visuals for the most part. You know, and uh well, I think you can put both in your head, though. You know, like yes. I, th- I mean, yeah, I know definitely. you're more capable of doing that, but I mean, yes.
1: I'm sure after like whatever it is you're watching, you you start to identify like, oh, this doesn't
0: have a narrative. I'm not going to even start keep checking for that. I'm yeah. just going to watch, or you what's try going and find on. the narrative in, it, and that's kind of the fun, you know. Yeah. but I, I never really, you know if the story wasn't too good, like if they have amazing visuals, I'm fine. Like I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll let a lot of stuff go. And, uh, Twilight Zone's kind of changing that a little bit for me. So, all right, So yeah, that's all I got. All right. Let's just get to the, the twist. Good luck oh, yeah. with this.
1: I'm just going to go with the three with the question mark beside it, like an asterisk, because mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting the mirror image to actually be a force of good. Uh, or like, overall a positive circumstance okay and that so i wasn't expecting that all right
0: um yeah I, I'm, I'm gonna give it a two because there is that moment like you said you think that possibly the mirror image has a different agenda behind what he's doing but at the end of the day it kind of just went where i thought it was gonna go <laughs> it just went in one direction and then just kept going well, there's only just, one door out of there, so I had to go. I had to go out that way eventually. That's yeah. true. <laughs> Went down the good road with an H. Right. Um, yeah, I, I just it wasn't really surprising to me. I didn't feel like there really was too much of a twist. Um, but yeah, it was it was a pretty good episode. Otherwise, yeah. So there, there you go. So, all right, Kevin. So how can people get a hold of us? Um, you can email us at strangehighwayspodcast at gmail um, You send us voicemails or emails on there. Um, I did actually start a Tumblr page where I'm going to be posting more images from the episodes. Um, we got followed by CheeseBot, and I was all I got was an email saying, CheeseBot is following you. I'm like,
1: what the hell is going on?
0: Yeah, I, I have to do some work on it. I started setting it up um, and had about five minutes to do it, so I just wanted to get the demand page for it. So um, You can keep an eye on there. I'll probably post uh, random Twilight Zone-related things and repost stuff on there. Um, You can find us on Facebook, Strange Highways. Join in the conversation. Keep up with what's going on in the show. And uh, if you were paying attention to the Facebook page last week, I was doing some tests on Facebook Live, but (laughs) we got in trouble. So (laughs) back to the drawing board on what we're going to do with the live stuff. But keep an eye on there for news as far as that. Um, And you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. And if you would rate and review us, preferably five stars, if you enjoy the show. Um, if you don't mind our gleeping talk this week, uh, (laughs) uh, that would really help us out. Yeah, absolutely. So next episode is
1: a thing about machines and I'll try again to do my best here to read what Sterling wrote about teasing the episode. And I'm going to screw this up. Uh, these are familiar items. I'm sure television shut set shut electric razor clock typewriter, the normal everyday accoutrements that are part and parcel of 20th century progress I couldn't say set correctly, but I said accoutrements correctly. Yeah, that was, that was beautiful. Yeah. But next week, you'll see them under different circumstances and in a totally dissimilar guise. They'll be machines, but they'll also be monsters. Our story is called A Thing About Machines, and I'll be here waiting for you in the Twilight Zone. It's kind of uh, foreboding. It sounds like it's talking about smartphones be, and everything. Be here waiting for you. Yeah.
0: Oh, so. and perfect time. The dog is. The dog is home if you heard that. So. Yeah. All right.
1: <laughs> so we'll see you guys next week. Um, be safe and uh,
0: don't gleep. Yeah, thanks for listening, guys. Get up, little man. I'm gonna take your skin off foot by foot.